Oh, this is Rog. Today's pod was taped this morning, before news filtered out of Everton that Marco Silva had been sacked after 18 months, 24 wins and 24 losses in his 60 games in charge. After last night's derby humiliation, of which we'll talk a dark amount in this podcast and the team's lacklustre performances this season, which have left Everton in a relegation zone, one point from safety. The news feels, well, inevitable, belated, but still a relief. The saddest part of Silva's flatlining tenure is that Everton's next boss will be the seventh since owner Farhad Mashiri took over the team in February 2016. A revolving door that's really a symbol of the club, one with enormous history, that considers itself to be a traditional power and is overwhelmed and in a way undermined by the desperate desire to reclaim that status. Duncan Ferguson, club legend as a striker, long-time assistant manager, will take charge against Chelsea on Saturday. Come on, you blues, to the pod. This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast, Rog. How are you doing today? We're back, like Jurgen Klinsmann. How am I doing? Winter's coming. (laughs) <laughs> what is it that they say in Heart of Darkness? It was written, I should be loyal to the nightmare of my choice, David. That's what I'm thinking. It's going to be listeners to my other podcast, Sad Feelings Today. I've got to find that. I keep on searching for it. And oh, I can it, never find it. Yeah, broadcast it pretty well 24-7. Roger's other podcast. They might believe that this Men in Blazers podcast is a crossover with that one as we break down Everton's heartbreaking but all too predictable agonizing derby loss in real time i do need to say david it's been an emotional week <laughs> okay why well for obvious well obviously everton reasons which we'll get to later but i've had my mum and dad stay <laughs> oh, no. perfect, timing. perfect timing <laughs> it was it was both remarkable yeah it also felt like seven months my dad is 82 mm-hmm. when we're all 82 please god we'll live like him yeah but he does i will say this he likes his life like he likes his life if you know what i mean his breakfast on the table yeah. when he wakes up in the morning. His coffee uh-huh. ready. Yeah. And he drinks louder than any human being gulps coffee. It's a lot of work for Val, for your mum. It's uh, a full-time job. She's pleased at Just it. making it the way that Ivor wants it. And frankly, when he travels, <sighs> it's more challenging to make it exactly as he wants yeah, it. Yeah, she does an incredible job of recreating <laughs> Liverpool wherever <laughs> he goes. But when he gulps his coffee, this is really astonishing. Yeah. It's one too petty for me to bring up, but it goes right through me, the noise. It's, yeah. like, it's honestly like a volcano erupting. From a, like a block away, it go. It drives me crazy. But I did have. Does he listen to the podcast? Avid listener. So he might well know now about the coffee. Yeah, There's a, there is a method to my madness. <laughs> <laughs> this is called. We're basically making this pod just for Ivan. This is podcasting passive aggression yeah. for an audience of one. <laughs> I, I did have the chance to tape a bunch of conversations with my dad, tape memories, stories, explore a couple of of family mysteries. One which I taped and I might drop on a future podcast, was the story that we've talked about on the pod, but in his words, how he became a blue yeah, and not a red. A story I've alluded to in the past, in the 1940s, for those who don't know, when he was seven or eight, my dad used to go to the match with his mates. I picture like a pack of chimney sweep urchins, and it was common back then, before TV, before popular mass entertainment, that in Liverpool, you would go and watch Liverpool when they were at home one weekend. Yeah. And then Everton the next week. I used to go and do it as a kid at Fulham and Chelsea. When they played, I mean, it was just like, it was just entertaining yourself. It's what you did. And, and the crowds were massive, 60 or 70,000 working men mostly packed in there. And the big day came when he went to the newsstand to buy a pin to almost emotionally connect himself to one team and one team only. And he went there to buy a Liverpool pin. He described the pin to me when I interviewed It was a red man in a red kit kicking, striking a football, Roger. And there was one Liverpool pin left, as it turns out, but it was in the window display. 
and he asked the store owner to take it out of the window so he could buy it. And the store owner said, can't be asked, mate. <laughs> Very Liverpool. <laughs> said, it's my last one. Got to keep it. He said, I've got plenty of blue pins, blue fellas. Buy one of those. And so my dad, I guess with that instinct of a kid that just wants instant gratification, he said, okay. And that's how he did it. It that's was that random. That is how I came to be an Everton fan and how close I almost came, Davo, to be a Liverpool fan. I was just a one lazy store owner away. What do you think of that? Is this just you trying to figure out some way to, like, take joy out of Liverpool by having a proximity to Liverpool fandom? No. And trying to sort of explain away your love of Everton as just being some sort of random act that therefore means that it can affect you less because it's so random I mean, and it, less intense. I always saw that. I mean, my grandfather was an Everton fan. And I always say, you know, my grandfather was an Everton fan, my dad was an Everton three generation, now four, all that stuff. But... To find out I was just one lazy story in a way from being... It's more that I could have been a completely different person, Davo. A Rodge that wins. Imagine that. A Rodge that dreams and then fulfills those dreams instead of wallowing in those shattered dreams and the pain that they bring. I would, in short, Davo, be unbearable, don't you think? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Because when um, I shut my eyes and think about it, and I have a lot this week, especially last night, I didn't sleep at all. I think I'd probably have, be like Rog facially, but I'd have a bad hair transplant. I'd live in a condo in Palm Beach, and I'd probably be on to my fourth or, or fifth or sixth marriage. I've never Come really on, conceived you, of Roger supporting a winning team. Although, you're a huge fan of the US women's national team, and they're superb, and you're always in a good mood when the national team are doing well. I like <laughs> winning Rog. I like Rog who's winning. Your depression... Your, your, your arc that you go through from, yeah, I don't even care about today's game. I don't even care about Everton. I don't even care. I don't even care. To so evidently caring is, it just, it's a scratch record. It goes on and on and on and on. There's a darkness that descends upon you. Well, I don't like darkness, Rog. We're about to grapple with a second revelation that I had just before kickoff of yesterday's derby, which yeah. I will say for that, Dave, yeah. which will be a frank admission, an honest bearing my heart on the caring, non-caring debate, Dave. I care. I care almost too much, but don't take my losing away from me. Speaking of your blues, Rog, you're going to get a chance to rebound with them against my blues in El Blazerico this weekend. A game will break down on the Men in Blazers show live Monday at 5.30pm Eastern after West Ham versus Arsenal. We have very special guest Marcus Mumford from Mumford and Sons returning to the show. I take with Marcus Mumford, double M last night. What a beautiful yeah. bloke he is. So optimistic. Gave me a little hug at the end. Said, don't worry about Everton. They'll be okay. Really? I don't know if that means they'll be okay playing Swansea next season. <laughs> and Ipswich, J-Dub's in the championship. Or if it yeah. meant we're going to survive. <laughs> uh, but we did go deep on Manchester United. And we have KSI. Yeah. Oh, coming in this afternoon to talk about Arsenal and boxing, or boxing and Arsenal, or are they the same thing now? What a year this has been, I will say. There's, there's I can't one... tell George. George is an insane KSI fan. Oh, he's gonna... fun, George. Oh, he's going to be disappointed by this interview then. <laughs> there's one show I am insanely excited about, I've got to say. Um, I hate all, everything that I'm ever in, but our Edwin van der Sar special, which debuts on New Year's Day, uh, producer J-Dubs and the whole mighty MIB team have worked so hard on this piece. It's the former Manchester United icon turned Ajax CEO, and it is fascinating on so many topics, including how Ajax have mastered the art of youth development. It is, to me, one of the top three things we've created in this really remarkable 2019 that's been packed with wonder. Getting quite emotional about 2019. Interesting, this new development of goalkeepers, you know, Peter Cech at Chelsea. Suddenly goalkeepers who are always outcasts in football suddenly getting these major roles at clubs. Jordan Pickford might be the next British Prime Minister. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'd take him. I'd take him, bite your arm off to get Jordan you, Pickford. Your tiny little arm. Yeah, tiny little arm over the tiny little dispatch box at tiny little Prime Minister's question times. OK, Rog. Order, 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 order. We can't hear you, Jordan. OK, Rog, we've got a packed show. We're going to talk a Merseyside derby that was... Sad nap ambient for Everton fans, especially this one, present company very much included. We recap Jose Mourinho's return to Old Trafford with new squeezed Tottenham, and we go blue steel, or at least bald steel, while talking about Freddie Ljungberg for his appointment as caretaker would manager though, at you? Arsenal. You have. I have. Oh, but first, yeah. a toast. Go ahead. Oh, I want to raise this first third bud of the day. Oh, God. To Megan Rapinoe. Ha. 
in the week she won the FIFA Ballon d'Or. Amazing. To complete a sweep yeah. of every major trophy in world football. Yeah, name like, them. Just the World Cup. Yeah. But the Golden Boot. Yeah. Not just the Golden Boot, but the FIFA Player of the Year. Yeah. The Ballon d'Or. Yeah. And most prestigiously of all... Let's face it. The man in blazers, Golden Blazer. Yeah. Oh, we should auto-tune my voice and make it mighty deep on that one. <laughs> okay. Oh, if I was Vivian... Golden Blazer. Oh, if I was Vivian Medema or Sam Kerr, I'd probably feel savagely disrespected for not even being in the top mm. three of the Blondor. But I do want to celebrate Rapino. She's a player who's a maverick, a pioneer, a trailblazer, who this year delivered glory under the kind of sporting and cultural spotlight few players ever experience. And I think entered the paradigm-shifting ether with the likes of Arthur Ashe and Billie Jean King. And I raise this Bud Fan Blood Fan to Megan Rapinoe, to the American collective who made America believe in our national team again. To more, to more courage. Great comparison to Arthur Ashe and Billie Jean King. On the whole, when our sporting heroes become heroes they have these incredible moments when they actually have the public spotlight thrust upon them they tend to disappoint it's just they're just athletes when it comes down to it i think megan did completely the opposite i think she exceeded everybody's expectations even mine we know her um she just has been phenomenal what a phenomenal trailblazer role model for every player of the game in this country <sighs> not just the women okay rog i'm sorry we got to do it liverpool five everton two Jurgen Klopp's mob maintained dominance over their crosstown rivals in some style. A brace mm. from you know who, Rog, your favourite, Divock Origi, mm. plus a troika of NSFW goals from Shakiri, Sadio Mane, and Genie Wijnaldum. And it's kind of the B team. See Liverpool coast. The physical distance between these two clubs may only be 0.9 miles across Stanley Park, Rog, but the golf in class at this moment is much larger. Yeah, I want to preface this by. Reiterating, I am feeling a bit fragile today, David. Oh, a darkness. I didn't bless. sleep last night, spend much of it awake, refreshing Twitter to see if our manager's been fired yet. I'm sure the Germans have a word for that. My last 24 hours have been spent living out the Proust quote, we are healed of a suffering only by experiencing it to the full. Can I go back to the beginning, David? Yeah. Waking up Wednesday morning, yeah. first light, when hope still kind of flickered. Really? Well, you know, Derby's, Davo, they have their own ecosystem that ignores form. They really do. I mean, That's e true. Even in the 1990s, when Everton were truly terrible, I still had hope. And often, a tenacious Everton collective would just raise their game and give Liverpool a literal fight for their life. Google Franny Jeffers and look at his fist fight with a stunned Liverpool goalkeeper, Sander Vestal. Oh, yeah, I remember. And you'll get a sense of what a derby atmosphere should be like, but there's a combination of the Marco Silva era, which is so completely lost its way, and just the one after the other, the bruising emotional trauma of shocking last-minute pain infliction by Liverpool, Mane, Origi, and above all, this season's campaign, Jurgen Klopp coaxing that table-topping, can't-stop-won't-stop format at Liverpool. I will say I've rarely felt bleaker ahead of a derby game, Dave. I felt like Everton's odds were worse than Stephen F. Austin Lumberjacks when they headed into the Duke game. I mean, it, 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 I didn't see how Everton could even get a hand grip on this. Yeah, it was this sort of weird, surreal moment when I arrived at work yesterday and we read through the script before we do it. And I afternoon. read, yeah, and I read three different versions of the cold open. There was a cold open if Everton win, a cold open if Everton draw, and a cold open if Everton lose. We rehearsed all of them. Yeah, J Dubs to be candid, he's a beautiful man. He put time into writing two cold opens he knew would never see the <laughs> light works of the day. Of art. It was only ever going to be one cold yeah. open news. Let's be honest. I mean. I made my kids write down the score before they left for school on Why? Wednesday morning. Why? Because they're all so amped. They were all so up for this game. It's a derby. Why? Why torture them with Why? having to... Okay, whatever. I, I, I mean, I've got to say, respect <laughs> to my three eldest, my two sons and my daughter, who all wrote variations of 5-0 Liverpool on the yeah, marker board they as they walked out. I think my daughter might have had it 3-1 Liverpool, but they're all realists, and I, I appreciated it, to be candid. But my youngest, Oz, eight years old, he wrote in kiddie handwriting, which made it even more painful. 2-1 Everton with a little C-O-Y-B by it. Come on, you blues, in a little high voice. And it shattered me when I saw it because it took me back to when I was that age. You know that age, David, where you still believe that the team you cheer for is the greatest team in the world. He's not had the losing 
kick all of that hope out of him yet. And I just remembered back then any loss just felt more crushing. And I realized I had done this. I'd done it to yeah. them. I inflicted this <laughs> totally. by choice. It's something about you and your own pain that you wanted to inflict on your own children. But it doesn't matter. Look, you have three older ones. They've taken it in their stride. They'll get there. Oz will get there eventually. It's just right now he feels it very deeply. They do understand that life, like in England in the Middle Ages, is nasty, brutish, and short. So come game time, yeah. teams are announced, mm-hmm. and Jurgen Klopp, Davo, dropped t- half his team. He's taking the piss. <laughs> That's what I said. I don't want to do it. I was like, he's taking yeah, the piss. Mo Salah, Bobby Firmino, where are they? Somewhere on the bloody bench. Yeah, Shakiri. I think Exhumed. Looks like he's been on the pies, Shakiri as well. He's looking even larger and even squarer. It's called training. Yeah. Adam Lalana mm-hmm. and bloody Samuel the Slayer, Divock Origi all got starts. Klopp was like, mm. I can rest Mo and Bobby. Yeah. I can fling Shakiri on, roll out of bed in my German pajamas and still crush you. Yeah, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's have Daniel Sturridge have a game. <laughs> he, he doesn't play for us anymore. He's, he's not he's not here anymore. Oh, okay. You asked me pretty yeah. well to to give a, fr- a front line of my yeah. three favourite Liverpool players of all time. <laughs> Other than El Hadji Jouf. Oh, sure I Klopp, loved him. I'm sure Klopp thought about brushing him off yeah. and giving him a start. I yeah, was like, put him up front with Andy Carroll. But I realised he didn't give a... He's saying, I don't give a crap about yeah. you, Everton. I yeah. don't even care about you anymore. And it was that that stung me, Dave. I realised to my horror in that moment, just before kickoff, the depths of my anger, my rage... And I wrote in my little notebook, for all I profess, for all I pretend, I do not care. I do care. This is word for word. I wrote, I do care so very much. This was reads like Teen Rogers' diary. I do care so very much. And by kickoff, I also realized the extent to which I am currently existentially panicked by the threat of relegation, David. Just the shattering impact on my identity and sense of self. And also the practical fear, like, if Rebecca Lowe is not talking about Everton on broadcast TV, do they even exist? You know, we spoke about this a little earlier in the season, and I mentioned, I think, half-joking about relegation, because I don't believe Everton are going to get relegated. Uh... But you just, you just, you ruled it out so quick, I actually felt good about it. You were just like, no, they're not going to get relegated, it's no. not going to happen. Yep. But is this the little R word? Is this coming into your nightmares well, now, seriously? We last almost got relegated a couple of years ago, and I actually shot at Everton with Tim Howard. And my first question was, before the cameras were actually rolling, I was like, Tim, are we going to get... We were in dark, dark, dark. I think it was 2015, Yeah, 2006. I remember you got dragged into that relegation battle. Yeah, late. and uh, Roberto Martinez's last days, and Tim just looked at me, don't be stupid, we're not going to get relegated. I felt so good when Tim said it, and I need someone let's to tell him, me that now. Let's call him today. Oh, but <laughs> game kick off and I think the commentators had just got through mentioning that Everton had not scored a derby goal in Marco Silva's tenure Yeah, when Mane oh, sliced through the gut of Everton's midfield I shouted out, foul him! Foul him! <laughs> Take him by the legs, you can't run without his legs But it's, genuinely, as soon as he got on the ball, I screamed foul that man, no, no one listened 3,000 miles away through my television You do have an amazing over. ability to predict Liverpool goals on the break you did it at Liverpool when we were there for the game against Man City you could you could feel it coming oh my lord I mean he threaded a pass around Holgate Keane couldn't cut it out Liverpool so alive so vibrant in transition no one no one was tracking Origi why would you not track Origi Jordan Pickford bless him our future prime minister charged giddily <laughs> head first straight into no man's land yeah. handing Origi another derby goal Surpre- only surprise Davo was Techers for him. He didn't use his favourite shoulder. He actually scored with an unusual body part. His feet. Yeah, his foot. He's not used to doing that. <sighs> yeah, it was an orthodox goal from Divock Origi. So and how are you feeling at this point? Almost, David. Can I tell you? I was almost relieved. <laughs> <laughs> We're so different. Because honestly, I woke up yesterday morning thinking about... I know it's not a huge derby, but thinking about uh, Chelsea's game against Aston Villa, and I forgot they were even playing. God. And the difference for me of watching Chelsea lose to West Ham at the weekend and beat Aston Villa is I really just focus on the win. I don't really focus on the game they lost. It just doesn't really do anything to me. But I was relieved, and I once wrote a piece for ESPN about why I'm relieved when Everton go a goal behind, and a sports therapist told me because my worst expectation has quickly been fulfilled, and I almost feel a joy at that. At least it's quick, my death. It makes it much less painful. Yeah. I did I, I, That movie, Fearless. 
That's the movie with Jeff yeah. Bridges when he survives the plane crash, his own worst fear, and realizes that nothing scared him again after overcoming the one worst thing that could actually happen to him, but it would get worse for Everton. A different flavor <sighs> of Liverpool goal. But, Breathtaking. But it, Trent Alexander, just once again, a pass that you just don't see other humans making. The only human who makes that pass is Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's ultimately it. It was it was so stunning. And, it, and this whole goal, I will say, I couldn't help but be amazed and admire the punch that hit me square in the face. Each part of this was beautiful. Who did it find? Mane again. Yeah. Well, they, he did his flicks and his tricks. He was so cocky once he got that ball. It was fantastic. His confidence is remarkable. Yeah. And he thought, how can I make Rog feel even worse? I know. Well, I'll knock it over to Shakiri and have Shakiri <laughs> finish it off and then celebrate with a knee slide that goes so deep into the Anfield turf. He almost like buried through to uh, Australia. J-Dubs, it live, turns around to me, goes straight ball, diagonal run. I know, one of my favourites. Square human being. Yeah, it's Goal. True. I was just so rocked by it all. I was in the midst of tweeting some bullcrap about how I felt like General Toptonov in Chernobyl, ordering my confused engineers to head up to the reactor and force those control rods back into the core by hand. When Everton went and did something crazy, Davey, well, no, they scored a goal. They scored a big boy goal. In a derby. Yeah, from At a Anfield. boy. From a, from, from, from a big boy who you don't expect to go and see be in the penalty area and finishing. Michael Bloody Keane. Strange emotions. Honestly, I didn't know how to feel. Like my husband had just brought me a Peloton bike for Christmas. <laughs> 2-1. I had something to hope I'd for love again. To talk about that. Which is always, always the precursor to doom. Yet let, let, we need to let history know. Everton had a penalty shout. It did look like Dominic Calvert-Lewin was taken off the ball by Van Dyke, mm. who played the man. Not really the ball. But anyone who tries to say with a straight face it would have changed the game is ignoring the two dozen chances Mane had in the second half and he couldn't be asked to take. Mm. And what pissed me off in this first half is that Everton, so little emotion, so little fight, pride, self-respect. There's the essence of our club. And Liverpool just blew the game open. Their game, all about movement and speed. Everton, all about, well, being on the field and faltering, David. That third goal was oh, astonishing. And so much movement and speed. Then they can hit a long ball and just kill you because you're trying to figure out how to, like, man-mark all over the pitch and who, you leave space. Who and else do I mark? Lovren. Step yeah, up, Lovren. I know. Lovren hits a ball that is perfection. And you've got to hand it to Divock Origi and his, you know, often neglected feet, Roger. He takes that ball down from Lovren. Must have been a good 60-yard, 65-yard pass. Takes it down with the sort of delicate touch of a lover. Tender lover. Yeah, and just knocks it over Jordan Pickford. Now, we don't want to get carried away. It was over, what, about four foot two? He knocked it in the air. In high heels. Yeah. And with his hair swept back. I mean, that Lovren pass, it was like a... Uh, Henrik Stenson drive, it really was, took advantage of the fact that really Everton were a shambles. I don't know what formation they were playing, if it was a 4-0-6 <laughs> or a 0-4-6, but it wasn't working. And that goal, Liverpool made football look so simple, but the touches, each component was actually so wonderfully complex. Uh, at this point, I was like a single Polish chef on his own, armed just with a narwhal tusk defends better than Everton and don't oh get me God. started on that other hero with the fire extinguisher and Origi five goals in six games against Everton it's like he's only on the squad to cause me abject misery and loom large in my nightmares as Pedro Martinez said about the Yankees Origi is Everton's daddy Liverpool fans celebrated by singing that Everton were going down their fourth goal let's just say man I couldn't have Felt more embarrassing at this point if Liverpool as a team simply laid down on the turf and started perennium sunning. Are you in on that, David? <laughs> no, I don't know what perennium sunning is. It's a new craze, according to, yeah, the tabloids. Yeah. It's a new thing. If you're not sunning your perennium, you've not lived. What's your perennium? Your the grundle. place that the sun don't shine, David. Your grundle. It's, your undercarriage. It's there. Wow. It's that part. Honestly, if Liverpool, if all of them... If, do, I need to, do I need to sun down there? If you haven't, mate, you're not keeping up with the oh. times. It means you're not on TikTok if you're not perennium yeah. sunning. But if Klopp had been like, lads, perennium sunning, and all 11 of them just heaved the shorts down, legs up, just took it in, it would not have humiliated Everton more. Yeah, Rich Arlison scored stroke of half-time, but I wasn't going to fall for that. I wasn't going to fall for that. Not that false friend, hope, there to deceive us. Second half, ragged. We kept it to 1-0 second half, Dave. Mm. But Matt Cheatham, the statistician, tweeted the killer stat. Gilfie, our captain, in that second half, went almost 20 minutes without a touch 
in the entire game, leading by bad example. The game ended with Liverpool fans in full-throated delight, Christmas caroling. Divock scoring oh. all around us. Copied singing, having fun, it's the season, love and understanding, Merry <laughs> Christmas, Everton. Oh, oh my God, that times 50,000 reds. Oh. I honestly would have preferred the perennium sunning. <laughs> Merry Christmas, <laughs> Everton. <sighs> Liverpool win. China. The most goal-filled Merseyside derby since 1933. Yeah. Jurgen Klopp has never lost a derby in eight attempts. Everton haven't won at Anfield in two bloody decades. Scored a goal. And the most dominant thing that can be said about this victory, Dave, and this is searing, it all felt so routine, like just another game, that they could rest their talent for the Champions League test at Salzburg, still winner the canter. The derby rivalry for now feels almost dead to them. We were drawn, Dave, this is you, hot balls, right? FA Cup third round, who are Everton drawn against? Oh, Liverpool? Yeah, and I oh. bet Liverpool will field their youth players. Curtis Jones, 18, <laughs> Harvey Elliott, 16, and still smash us. Uh, Everton, Chelsea next. Oh, mate, yeah. A bad run of games coming Blaise up, Erica. I think. Everton dragged their bloody carcass out of Anfield. They're in the relegation zone. Hard for me to describe how bad I feel about it, Davey. Uh, Marco Silva, though, still... Uh, still Managing this club as we pod yeah. may not be managing the club by, by the time this we afternoon. finish the pod. I hope, yeah. I hope, I hope. I mean, well, what do you hope for? Well, I hope metaphysically, big picture, <laughs> and this is the core of the pain. The game was honestly, if I'm being honest, never in doubt. Yeah, and I say this as a bloke who loves Everton Football Club with all of his heart. But the gulf between the two teams, which was Everton and Liverpool's second team yesterday, yeah. it really was. It's seismic and it's devastating. And the 90 minutes were beside the point. The real tale is that what's happened over the past four years, Fenway Sports Group and Jurgen Klopp carefully, strategically layering a winning culture, making mistakes along the way, but always learning from them. And Everton, slightly more avant-garde method. We, we joked yesterday... They've gotten a flavour of the month approach to managerial appointments. Marco Silva, he's been good over the past five games. Let's get him. Ronald Koeman, he had a good year at Saturday. He's our man. Steve Walsh, he was great. Leicester, they won the league. Let's, let's get him in. Rather than working out a vision and seeing who fits into the team's culture. And don't get me started on our transfers. Our methodology is to spunk money into a garbage can and then set aforementioned garbage can on fire. Balassi, Walcott, Jenk Tosin. Michael Key, I love. I, I want to say I love our owner Mashiri. I really do. Unlike Mike Ashley at Newcastle, even Stan Kroenke, he's been so generous to the club. The money, the transfers, the new stadium. He, he's moved the team front office to the Liver Building, the most beautiful in the entire city. But this is all tactical. There's no big vision that everyone's playing off. There's there's lots of little visions. No plan. You play for Barca. I'll buy you. You played for Juventus. Yeah, come here. There's so much love for Everton Football Club, so much passion around Goodison Park, but we need a step-by-step approach to team building, Dave, year over year. There's no, there's no, you know, in football, there's no jump start, there's no shortcut, there's no easy fix. It needs time, it needs patience, it needs careful strategy, and that's what I'd like. Yeah, I mean, look, when you look at teams that have succeeded, you look at it and you see this grand plan that all worked out and history is written by the victors, and so to do exactly what Liverpool did. But you could apply a lot of those same rules that they did to go and find Jurgen Klopp, and then it could not work. The bigger question for Everton now is Everton are in the relegation zone. Mm. I don't think they're going to be relegated, but they are in the relegation zone. It's very difficult to apply long-term thinking, a solution at the point that they have to escape relegation. And there is a great history in the Premier League of bigger clubs, when they've slipped into the relegation zone, have appointed short-term managers, dare I say, the Sam Allardyces of the world, the Steve Bruce's of the world, and have got themselves out of trouble. Yeah, currently, I mean, you've got to ask yourself, who would go to Everton right now? That's the saddest question. Mikel Arteta, former player, wouldn't. Eddie Howe, a childhood Everton fan, is, and this is sad truth, much better off at Bournemouth. I would love Rafa Benitez, who yeah. still has a house uh, just outside of Liverpool. David Wagner. A builder of organisations and team culture at Huddersfield, now at Schalke. I would have I urged everyone to go and get him. The bookie's favourite, David? Who? David Moyes. Yeah, David Moyes, yes. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah. John Snow, David Moyes, the only three humans who can be born again. I keep telling myself it's always darkest 
before the dawn, even though that dawn is going to be a false dawn. Talking of potential false dawns, Rog, Man United 2, Tottenham 1. Jose Mourinho returns to Old Trafford only to lose both the game and the post-match manager handshake. That was a blowout. More on that handshake later. Marcus Rashbean started the scoring on six minutes with a low near-stick drive past Gazaniga. Spurs pulled level on 39 minutes thanks to a Delhi goal that may see him brought up on murder charges for what he did to Ashley Young and Fred. Just absurd <laughs> skill. But four minutes into the second half, Sissoko fouled Rash Beans in the box and he coolly converted the penalty. Hmm, how times have changed. United move into sixth place, Spurs slip to eighth. Jose Mourinho continues his charm offensive for the Amazon documentary film cameras. Mm. I am not a villain, he mm. proclaimed as he theatrically returned to the Old Trafford dugout on Wednesday night with a wink to the camera on the sideline for the first time since he was sacked by United last December. He was so blissed out ahead of this one. I am happy, he kept saying. It's so nice, everyone here at Old Trafford. I am starting to believe Jose has discovered medical marijuana. I think, oh, I was thinking it was mushrooms. I think he's on the purple punch. <laughs> yeah, he does look weird in purple. Just, he really looks weird in that colour. And also, I'm that, not going to normalise this, by the way. I'm not normalising that, that Jose Mourinho is Spurs manager. Also, that Tottenham purple it is a colour, it's a version of purple unknown to man. It's like an alien colour that we've never seen before. And he just looks so odd in it. I think I do think this is all going to be like one, like a remake of Weeds or something. Like he is just like, we'll find out later that late in life he's just found the weed and he's just loving it. But watching him return to United as Spurs manager, it reminded me of one thing, one thing only, which was watching that ice dragon, Viserion, <laughs> his corpse hauled up from the lake by the whites, resurrected by the Night King, and attacking those he wants to live to protect. I did pity poor Ole, though. Since he'd taken the job full-time, he has a worse record than Unai Emery. Won fewer <laughs> points than any Manchester United manager post-Ferguson, and he spent the whole run-up to the game having to field question after question akin to, why do you still have a job? And the stakes room couldn't have been higher, Dave. Producer Jonah told me he thinks Mourinho only took the Spurs job just so he could have the chance to get Ole sacked. <laughs> <laughs> that might be too large an ambition. That, that makes him sound not petty at all. That's like a far too grand thing. And, you know, there's a theory in sports that the team who needs it most wins. You know, Tottenham, you know, they could afford to lose this game. You know, Jose's got a little bit of credit in the bank after his uh, opening at Spurs. Honeymoon. Yeah, and uh, Ole needed this victory and he ended up getting it. It was a day ripped from Ole's fantasy. Stavinson Sanchez, moment of confusion, left mild-mannered Marcus Rashford in acres of space. He turned into his alter ego, Marcus Smashford, and laced it. What do you call it? Noshed it. And noshed it, He Rush. noshed it. He did nosh it. Pass a slightly lackluster Gazaniga who was bamboozled by the knuckle of the bounce. United fans sufficiently stunned to start singing, you are my soul scar. Um, their team should have put the game away in that first 30 minutes. They were, they were so potent, but the Spurs goalie redeemed himself with two terrific saves. Yeah. United's tempo movement, so bloody good. But just when Old Trafford was starting to sound like Old Trafford again, Davo, United were undone by a moment of inspired magic. Delhi reborn. Reborn under Jose Mourinho. Something I don't think... That's not, a, that's not an expression that's ever been made in the English or Portuguese or Spanish language ever before. This is a player reborn under Jose Mourinho and just an amazing finish. I think the best goal I've ever seen Delhi score. Yeah, I mean, this is the mischief of young Delhi of yore. This was like his Crystal Palace just, I'm going to try and do this. Tekkers is back to goal, flicked it over his head like a magician whipping a tablecloth under a fully laid table. I will say Young and Fred could not have been more astonished <laughs> if Delhi had whipped their underpants clean off from under their shorts. Yeah. And then he rifled home beautifully. It reminded me of a goal I actually saw recently on YouTube. The great English maverick Frank Worthington scored. He just flipped the ball backwards over the heads of the defenders who were pushing out and just spinned after it quicker than any other human brain could compute product of creative vision, total confidence. Yeah. That's what we saw with Delhi. Fourth goal in four games under Mourinho. It is a resurrection. Back yeah. from the dead. I know. Amazing. I mean, we were not just like not in great form, but being written off, lost his England place, lost his Tottenham place, and just a sense that Living the whole thing... Living in his thing, car. Yeah, the whole, thing, times. The, whole thing, the whole thing had gone to his head, Rog. His fashion line, all of his stuff going out, going out on the town. So Don't it was the whole staying. thing. Don't want to hang out with you no more, Eric Dye, and play basketball in your garden. <laughs> I'm going out. I want to go out. Yeah. Problem was, for much of this game, 
That kind of level of ethereal Spurs brilliance was what Mourinho's team needed. Individual brilliance rather than any kind of attacking cohesive plan. You see Delhi's last-minute bouncing bomb of a chance, which De Gea grabbed. Harry Winks, Musa Sissoko as a midfield duo, no guile, no craft that an elite team needs. Lo Celso and Ndombele are not getting a look in. Mourinho's Manchester United were plagued by that same lack of creativity. And Mourinho's Spurs, they now seem to be similarly dependent on singular moments of magic. Yeah, I mean, he's got great individual players, great individual players who can produce great moments of skill. Mourinho's always going to start at the back. He's going to start solidifying at the back before he works out what he's going to do going forward. Which is what is so fascinating, because Mourinho's Spurs... Medical marijuana, Mourinho Spurs, Mushrooms, Triple M, Mourinho Spurs. They are leaky, uncharacteristically Mourinho leaky. Yeah. A Rashford penalty on 48 minutes, ultimately. Edge United ahead, 13th goal against a big six team in 25 games. He is a big goal, big game Billy, yeah. Rashford. Must have been so surreal for Mourinho seeing a player who recently scored big goals for him. Player whose head he ended up playing with, and not often in a good way, scoring so confidently at Old Trafford again. United held on in the stretch. Huge respect to Scott McTominay, a player yeah. Mourinho unearthed. I always thought he unearthed him ironically, but he's bloody good. Yeah, he is very good, McTom- McTominay. What a he, great name, too. Dom- dominant midfielder. And the, the crazy thing about McTominay, still adapting to the position. He came through as a number 10 and is learning the new role. He's also, he's got a new late burst of height. Yeah. A crap you not is a boy who's adapting to becoming a man, a beast, learning to unleash the newfound powers. It's mm. a fantastic to witness. Ole does have a nail-biting strategy of sitting on a lead late on, which was a little nervy. But overall impressive performance, best in months, all a sign of how much they are willing to fight for Ole. Or is it really a sign of how much they all hate Jose, David? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say. It's really tough to say. United haven't been in amazing form. This was a better performance, actually, uh, throughout the entire 90 minutes. I thought they defended well. I thought they really did defend well. Rashford tweeted post-game, doubt has just spurred me on. Or he's more like, doubt has just spurred me on. Yeah. Which was surely a dig at Mourinho. Yeah. As I said, honeymoon over for him. And that back line that you mentioned, Dave, is Tottenham have conceded two goals or more in four successive games mm-hmm. for the first time since 2015. Not good for a coach who prides himself on, as you say, coming in, firming up the defensive base as job number one. His team were never in control of this. Yeah. How long do you think, I mean, those fullbacks so vulnerable, how long do you think this new nice guy, Jose Atlas, David, you know him well, you're a uh, marineologist. Not long. There's going to be, and I'm looking forward to the fall. The fall <laughs> is going to be exciting. It's going to be, because he's going to come up with something he's not done before. We're not going to see a, a replay of some previous press conference. It's going to be, he's going to come up with something entirely, entirely new. Which is what, what I mean, he's done so much, mate. It feels like... CSI, like when you've watched all the CSIs, it's just every CSI blurs into one. What can Mourinho, how can Mourinho torture someone psychologically in a new way? When you're asking me that question, I suddenly thought it's going to be something dramatic, like he will literally walk into the post-match press conference naked because as a symbol that that's what his players have done to him. They've let him down. They've embarrassed him to such an extent that he may as well go naked to the post-match press conference. <sighs> Here I am. You want me to You want to embarrass me? You want to shame me? No one can shame me more than myself. Come There'll be for, something like that. I, can't, I cannot wait to find out if it's true that he's got a respect tramp stamp. <laughs> and also find out whether he's been... Per- I bet you he has been perennium sunning. He will have been perennium sunning. He probably spent last night looking in the mirror, telling himself, hmm, Manchester oh. United. I build that team. Mm. Huge win, though, for Ole. Four Premier League games unbeaten for the first time since his golden caretaker manager period ended. His United had pace and power. They don't need three or four transfer windows after all. They've now beaten... This is astonishing. They've had five wins, but three of them have come against Chelsea, Leicester City and Tottenham. Yeah. Big wins. But on this night, chef's kiss for Ole. Applying the textbook Jose final whistle dismissive head pat. Oh. Onto Mourinho's own body. It was David. brilliant. It was it was amazing. A, oh, it was right out of Mourinho's playbook. I've not even seen Mourinho diss someone this badly on a handshake. A pat to the top of the head. I mean, a pat, I don't like any kind of patty hug. If someone like goes to hug me and they pat me during a hug, I can't stand it. it literally makes my skin crawl. But the idea of a pat on the top of the head, that is, ugh. Mourinho does it when he's just played like a relegation for the team and, and beat them comprehensively. They were never in it. He gives Steve Bruce a little pat on the head. He gives, he, I mean, he gives Marco Silva little pats on the head. This was to see Ole do it 
and he must have thought this one through in his dreams. Oh, like, he must have without a doubt. They probably trained on this. Yeah. With, like, they probably had a stunt double and trained in, in, in Carrington. But it was like watching someone drop a stone-cold stunner on Steve Austin to yeah. give... To give an icon a heel a taste of his own dark arts medicine, it was Ole at the heel, and he will head into Saturday's Manchester derby without fear of it being his last yeah. game, which is not nothing. <laughs> GFOP at past Libri tweeted us, Jose finding a way to still disappoint Manchester United fans by losing, which only prolongs Solskjaer's time in charge. Yeah, I do love the idea of uh, OGS practicing that uh, head pat on Michael Carrick. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, Leicester City 2, Watford nil. Brodge punishes the Brodge. Atlas Orns thanks to a Jamie Vardy penalty and some late insurance from the only Premier League player with an American university named after him, James Madison. Jamie Vardy has 14 goals on the season. Astonishing. Three more than anyone else. Oh, anyone else. For the seventh Premier League game in a row, this is astonishing. Jamie Vardy scored... And Leicester City bloody won. Seven wins by an aggregate score of 21 goals to two. Seven wins, a feat they've not achieved in 90 years. That includes a miracle season for all its wonder. And last night's win against Watford was routine. They held the slumping horns at arm's length and hurt them when they needed to. The win against Everton at the weekend. That was an odd one. Bit dark for Everton. 94th minute winner. By Hinacho, but I also didn't want Leicester to fall too far behind Liverpool in the title race. So I wasn't crying as much as you think in that one. That's proof hate is stronger than love. Key moment in that game when Everton fans chanted, Jamie Vardy, your wife is a grass after their team took the lead. American translation, James Vardy, your wife Rebecca is alleged by one Colleen Rooney to have leaked stories to dread tabloid The Sun. And I love this stat. Four times this season, opposing fans have chanted about his wife. Four times, Jamie Vardy has scored. No elite competitor, more motivated by spite. He's got the same number of goals as Crystal Palace have on the season, and they're in seventh. It says he's something about him. No one hates my wife more than I do. <laughs> Learn your lesson, opposing fans. Chant, get banged. I've, yeah. I've got to ask you, Davo, what you think about the rumours of Brodge to Arsenal, because I've got to say... Why Brodge, would he go? Well, Brodge has never sounded more like Arsenal's next manager when he denies it. He says... The project is exciting. My focus is here while letting it slip to the press that he has a £40 million compensation clause in his contract amid incredible interest from Arsenal and Arsenal. His eyes, his body language is yearning. He wants that clause to be activated like Gollum wants a ring. Look, he loves being talked about. He's like an Instagram influencer. <laughs> He's like a reality television star. He's not... This has nothing to do with whether or not he wants to go to Arsenal. He just loves the conversation being about him. He's a little bit like your president. He just, he likes conversation. He likes, likes the action, likes the stuff going on around him. I remember, by the way, because we produce Andy Cohen's show, Watch What Happens Live in this building, so we have a parade of housewives who come through this building. And I always laugh after almost any real, housewife. Real, real housewives yeah, on Yeah, and sometimes they use the dressing room in the conference room right next to my office downstairs. And always they go down there and they come off the show and the first thing, they turn to their... Various assistants who aren't assistants at all. They're just like like friends of family members who like seem to like want to work for them for some reason. And they always ask them, it's like, what are they saying about me? What are they saying about me? And that's all about like what's happening on Twitter. What are people saying about the performance after they come off live television? That's Brodge. He likes the action. He likes the conversation. And on his Instagram influencer account, <laughs> he's selling Brodge shapewear. <laughs> You control the body yeah. like I control my midfield yeah. and control... By the way, Peloton, all... I'm going to start Brodgerton. Oh. It's like he's just thinking what he can do. God, I'd love to do Brodgerton. Brodgerton. Oh, if I was a wife, I'd love yeah. it if someone got me a Brodgerton and, yeah. and asked for on Christmas Day. Yeah. It all reminds me, all of this, of a favourite moment in our pod history, which is Brodger at Swansea really doing well at a small club. March 2012, Swansea are overachieving. And he gave an interview which we talked about the pod at the time because it was so beautiful. He was asked if he was going to go to a bigger club. And I looked this back up. He said, <laughs> it's very simple. The sea is beautiful here. It's a beautiful part of the world. I'm allowed to work. There's no political games. There's nothing at this club. I've learned. I've got my health. This is, it gets worse. David. He says, I lost both my parents in the last 18 months or so. It's put a massive perspective on my life. My family is happy. I love working with this team and the players. My only focus, my only respect is with Swansea City. I signed a three and a half year deal. I just love being here. Two and a half months later, he was Liverpool's manager. <laughs>
No yeah. one sounds like they want the Arsenal job more, to be honest. If you were Bruges' pal, what were, I mean, just then he went, oh, the sea, my dead parents, my family, who I might leave. If you were Bruges' pal, what would you advise him? Do you know what? I think that, I mean, if I'm his pal, unlikely, not my kind of mate, Probably that made telling him, assistant. I'd be telling him. <laughs> I'd be telling him to pal. stay at Leicester. It's such a good job. It's such a good job. Even if he this season they end up mid table, it's fine. He's had a good season. It's like it's the perfect, perfect club for him. Broj, I know you're listening. I love your shapewear. Go to Arsenal. Broj, your Arsenal. He's waiting for the Barcelona job. That's how delusional <laughs> he is. Is that? He's not going to go to Arsenal. Broj, if you go to Arsenal, you'll have instant mates. You and Gunasaurus, nights out. One note on Watford, following their weekend loss to Ralph Hampton, Kike Sanchez-Flores fired mm. after one win in 10 games in 85 days. Watford, bottom of the Premier League, even further from safety than Everton. Eight points from 15 games. I believe only four teams in the Premier League era have stayed up with that many points or fewer. I have no doubt Kike Sanchez-Flores will be back, probably with Watford, possibly this season. He's Spanish for Billy Martin. Could be going to Everton, Rog. Burnley Snap one, your arm Manchester Burnley <laughs> one, Manchester City four. City looking like City again. City casually uncorking goals that doublers works of art. Oh. A brace from Gabriel Jesus, who's in for the injured Aguero. A stonker from Rodri and a Riyad Mahrez strike keep Pep third. Eleven points behind Liverpool. Pep Guardiola talked ahead of last weekend that Manchester City had to win games if they were to land a third consecutive Premier League title. This team probably crapped the bed against Newcastle, conceding in the 84th minute to a finally taken John Joe Shelby goal. Only a bald can put another bald, Pep and David Silva, to the sword. The man who passes the haircut should swing the sword. Some relief then when City stumbled into Burnley, gained an emphatic victory. The goals flowed, which was important because of the news that Aguero is going to be out with a thigh injury until at least January but they're Gabriel Jesus' team now, David. A phenomenal performance. Two great goals. Yeah, that first one, Bardsley backing off on the edge of the area. It reminded me of Luka Doncic's cross and step back three. Gabriel used the defender as a shield, just floated it past an unsighted Pope. And just the use of his right hand. His right hand sort of went into the sort of Solidarność pose the second that he hit <sighs> it to go and put that extra little bit of nosh on it to have it like curl around it was just so beautiful second fantasy football city tossing the ball around tenderly bernardo silva curling in an orgasm of a cross and jesus just banging it home and most most english players would have tried to head it jesus let it cross his body hit it almost with the wrong foot and into the corner that you wouldn't expect fantastic wolf blitzer banger from rodri best game i've seen him have still bedding in age just 22 first three goals magnificent each one to paraphrase an old John Mulaney joke, as if learning from and improving on the one that came before it. We got our City back, Davey. City perhaps title pressure off a thriving again exhibition-style football, scurrying as often as that Papa John guy eats pizzas. Just in time, do you think, to batter United in the Manchester derby? Come for the football, stick around for the Ole head pat of a bald man. Yeah. What amazed me they about City, dare. talking about bald men, a final whistle, the squad filled with such hyper-competitive players. They look shattered, even in victory. De Bruyne, so sullen in victory. And Pep had this crazy mania about him. He always seemed, before the game and after the game, too bouncy. I mean, Pep might be his name, but Pep doing peppy, it's like me doing happy. It just, no, 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 it does not work. Mm -hmm. He already seems slightly unhinged after the Liverpool defenestration. Now, you've got some, like, on the inside, you can see he's unravelling Tom Wamsgam's season two succession style, but his outside mood, it's very weird, David, trying to affect confident City players, telling the press they partied in the dressing room, partied after beating Burnley. It's very weird, like, effort to brief against or mask the onset of frustration. Yeah, it's almost like they don't believe that they can get back in the title race, and so... Pep's having to do everything to like keep the inspiration there for them. Even as he knows he's got Silva leaving, Cunaguero winding down, it is going to be fascinating to watch Pep reboot Phil Foden's team now. Chelsea 2, Aston Villa 1. Tammy Abraham returns from injury, thank God, and headed Chelsea in front on 24 minutes. Credit to Villa, pulled one back through Trezeguet. Trezeguet, oh la la, just before halftime. But just after the break, Mason Mount, double M, uncorked a piece of British artillery that would have made Monty proud. <sighs> Firing home the winner in a volley set up from Abraham's chest. Chelsea back to winning ways after losing two on the spin, Rog. The John Terry Memorial Derby. Yeah. JT back 
Oh, with a new mob to play Frank Lampard's babies in the midst of what Frank Lampard called a reality check. Mm. Two-game losing streak. The first loss expected against Manchester City, but then West Ham's first victory at Stamford Bridge since 2002, courtesy of an excellent Aaron Cresswell Ipswich yeah. goal, came with Tammy Abraham out injured, and I think he was greatly missed, as we will discuss. Yeah. We should note, and I do want to say this, the game ended in one of the loveliest moments of the season. 33-year-old West Ham journeyman goalkeeper... David Martin breaking down in tears yeah, at the beautiful. final whistle after keeping a clean sheet on his Premier League debut for the Hammers, the club he supported as a kid and for which his dad was a legend. Proof you should never, young listeners, give up on your dreams because I did and I regret not playing for Everton professionally every single day. Mm. Tammy back for this one though, Dave, a big difference. Yeah, it means a lot and it's not just for what he does in that number nine role. And this goal against a club he was on loan at Villa last season. Fumi scored 25 times and really helped them to promotion. Must yeah. have felt, oh, 9-1-1, there's been a Tamaside. They play with more joy when Tammy Abraham is in that team. He's like, you know, you just check on the, his Instagram and all of his mates' Instagram. He's like at the centre of everything happy that goes on with at that club. With broad wear or not with broad wear? Well, well, I don't know. We'll have to see. He might be on the Brodgerton. <sighs> that might be how he got back from injury so quickly. I'm trying to imagine what the Brodgerton is. It involves mirrors. Definitely Do you know what's so funny? Because I was thinking, yourself. you know the mirror, that like exercise the, thing. Yep. It's the mirror, except you just look at yourself. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> just look at yourself and you're told how great you are. Yeah. Yeah. And you perennial sunning not included. Villa dogged, fought back into the game. Egyptian Trezeguet yeah. scrapped the ball home, followed up his own blown header with two touches to stab it home. As many joked, almost the perfect hat trick in one goal. But it was Mason Mount, Davey, yeah. grabbing the winner. First goal since the beginning of October. Yeah, and just the setup from this is not a goal you see very often. The setup from Tammy Abraham. Ball goes into him from Willian. Um, and just Tammy finds a way to muscle off the defender, knocks it back to him on the chest. And Mason, great finish. And he's been struggling a little. He's had a little bit of dip in form since his great start to the season. It was a good finish for him and a goal that meant a lot to Chelsea. Back um, to their winning ways. Yeah. Both goals scored and assisted by Academy Products. Yeah. That bad run of results, just a blip, not an adjustment to normality. Well, look, I, mean, I think the Man City game, I think they played very well and ended up losing it. Um, and I think they are a team that struggled against the biggest clubs. On the whole, they've, they've done well against the smaller clubs. And I think the West Ham thing maybe just... An aberration. London derbies are hard. Almost every season, Chelsea lose a London derby at home that you don't expect them to lose. It happens. Happened in their championship years. It's happened all the time. London derbies are hard for this club. West Ham, despite the emotional ending with David Martin, West Ham fans do not like Chelsea. West Ham fans do not like Frank Lampard. And there's there's no love lost between these two teams. Um, you know, transfers over the years, you know, feeling that Chelsea was stealing all of their best ones, including Joe Cole. So, um, you know, that derby is sometimes difficult for Chelsea. Don't um, worry, you got Everton in El Blazerico next. What a great way to start the weekend with a 7.30am Everton-Chelsea beat down. I can't wait. Everything's going to be okay for you, David. I do need to know this. What was it like watching John Terry in the colours of another lover? At the end of the game, he stepped onto the field, soaked in, minutes of applause. Would have all been a bit different if Aston Villa hadn't lost, right? Maybe. Um, I mean, it was surreal before the game because Gary Cahill was there as a broadcaster. So you had Gary Cahill, John Terry and Frank Lampard all there out on the pitch like together in three completely different roles than they played in before. Yeah, I mean, I think that John Terry at some point will be back at Chelsea. Maybe he's their next manager when Frank Lampard goes to Barcelona. We'll see. But you're okay. off for JT. Wolves to... It could be Everton. That would be amazing. Wolves oh to... It's just what you need right now. Wolves to West Ham Mill. <laughs> we that take would be it amazing. in the face, Richarlison. <laughs> we take it in the face. Gilfie! Gilfie! What are you doing? We'll see. Wolves 2, West Ham nil. One of the low-key stories of this Premier League season. The LA Wolves see off the irons thanks to goals from the magnificently named Leander Dendonka and the man who loves the pizza, loves oh. the pasta, the ironically <laughs> gluten-free in real life, Patrick Coutrone. cried when he scored. It was beautiful. They're just six points off the top four, Rog. Yeah, ten top-flight games unbeaten. Longest top-flight run since 1972. Fifth place. And perhaps most remarkably of all, this was their 28th game this season already, thanks to the Europa League grind. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I mean, the team play is simply magnificent. The movement that set up the Italian Catrone for his debut goal was stunning. Nuno has conjured a cohesion, a belief in this Wolves squad. So many of them score, which is remarkable. So balanced. 
everything that the West Ham's and the Everton's wholly lack. But their resilience is going to be truly tested more than anyone's, I think, over the holiday period. But for Nuno to keep this magic going, it is borderline alchemy to watch. Fantastic. Yeah, he should go to Arsenal. Southampton 2, Norwich 1. You can't spell tinglings without Ings, Rog. Danny Ings, fourth <laughs> goal in four. And Ryan Bertrand's first half strike. Lift the Saints past Norwich and out of the relegation zone. Seven points from the last nine for Ralph Hampton. Yes, Everton are now below a team that got broken by Leicester City 9-0. Ralph seems to have lost the players. Wow. He has, sadly, as an Everton fan, found them again. And three eminently winnable games lie ahead. Whoa. Crystal Palace won. Bournemouth nil. Ten-man Palace rallied to beat the Cherries thanks to the marriage of a wonderful Jeffrey Schlupp solo effort and some absolutely woeful Bournemouth defending. Back-to-back wins for Roy's boys. Roy's boys. They're seventh and in the mix for that Europa League Astonishing. place. It's only a couple of games ago we were worried about a five-game no-victory slide down the table. But the power of the reopening of the January transfer window was Monday motivation for Zaha. And Roy Hodgson's just magnificent tenacity. His team had their second win on the run. Phenomenal 10-man victory against a, yeah, floundering Bournemouth. Amazing stat from Daniel Storey. Since Roy Hodgson took over at Palace, they haven't paid a fee for a defender yet. They've kept more clean sheets than everyone, apart from Tottenham, Liverpool, Chelsea and City in that time. Roy Hodgson, discipline organization as they said in the first world war back when he was a kid they shall not pass yeah well and it's not just what goes on with the defense it's how well their forwards defend their forwards defend set pieces really well and you know their midfielders help out that's got a lot the right of steel. IU, brother well yeah there's a, there's just a lot of steel in that palace side they play uh with real aggression and a team first culture Yeah, two games coming up this afternoon that will likely be going on when this pod is released. Sheffield United host the Toon and Brighton travel to Arsenal. Managerless Arsenal. This is not something you ever want in front of your your team's name, managerless. Interim manager. Yeah, they're coming off a 2-2 draw with Norwich in their first game since (sighs) sacking Unai Emery, replacing him with caretaker. Former underwear model Freddie Lundberg. Farewell, Unai Emery. It was becoming a bit like Jason Garrett, but Spanish. And with greasier, less orange hair. After losing at home in the Europa League in front of a half-empty Emirates, he was finally given the heave-ho and replaced with Frederick Lundberg. One of Arsenal's legendary invincibles as a player. Been back at the Emirates since June 2018 when he was made under-23 manager. And Freddie got fingered, immediately unfilled his (laughs) battle cry. Let's play the Arsenal way! Which I guess means insipidly with trepidation and hoping Uber can bail us out. First of all, how will you, Davo, remember Unai? Nice man. I remember watching him play at Palace last season. Really and, nice man. And uh, standing behind him, just, just watching what a gentleman he was at all times on the sideline. Did line. he wear a cape and put it for puddles for passers-by so they Pretty didn't get much. their feet wet? He has a, but he also, with that cape, he has a spot of the Transylvanian around him. There's a little bit of a... Um, a little bit of a vampire quality to him at the same time, but in the way that when vampires were gentlemen, you know? yeah, I can. So <laughs> I can actually, yeah. I can imagine him like just. Sorry, as he'd say, vampire. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine him falconing. Yeah, exactly. Just for relaxation. Yeah. Oh. Horseback. Good evening. Um, yeah, a lovely man. A decent bloke, really. That's how you. That's it. You don't have to go. He's a decent bloke. Yeah. Outgunned, confused by the passion and the expectations of Arsenal fans, probably would have been. This is controversial a better Gunnosaurus replacement than Wenger's successor. Yeah. He would have made a lovely mascot, but his exit, and he did, we should say, he left in a distinguished, classy way, is a reminder, and many listeners will nod now when I say that rebound relationships, they're the hardest relationships. Hopes are high, but so are nerve ends. Freddie's first game against Norwich, when yeah. he inherited the team that had picked up just 18 points from 13 Premier League matches, worst run of form since 1992. Problems Emery couldn't solve remain. The awful backline, Socrates and Mustafi and David Luiz and their lump and slapstick. The midfield jackaback after his infamous departure at home to Crystal Palace. Ozil's enigmatic and slightly distracting presence. Nicholas Pepe yet to bed in and an over-reliance on over-goals. But the big note, Davo, what was he wearing? Because not <laughs> since Bob Bradley took the sideline in his black turtleneck have I seen... A more curious style choice on a Premier League manager. Yeah, it was sort of J. Crew from a few years ago. Yeah. It's like he'd raided an entire Land's End catalogue yeah. and just flung it on. Did you understand it? Because he was sending us a message, and I think I, I, I've given a lot of thoughts. What was Freddie trying to say with that outfit? 
Well, he wasn't flash. You know, he's a former model and he does look like a model and he's, he's some, he dresses quite nicely, Freddie Lundberg, normally, yep. and nicely and sometimes quite radically for... Yep. Um, you know, he's asymmetric in terms of the way he dresses compared to, like, other managers, certainly in the Premier League. To paraphrase, what you're trying to say is dude is smouldering sex. Yeah, he's a bit GQ. I mean, he's he definitely did, a bit he did, GQ. He did a Calvin Klein undies campaign, for God's sake. Google yeah. it, and you'll see a new meaning to the I phrase mean, new, new manager bump. Yeah. I think Dave, and I know Paul Scholes weighed in and said he shouldn't be wearing that, not wearing a tie, not wearing a suit. It shows he doesn't want discipline. And then people put out photos of Paul Scholes in his very short, brief managerial tenure, where on his first game, he also wore a round neck, no tie, almost like Freddie, but ginger. I think Freddie wants to be known for more than just his good looks, Dave. I mean, you put Freddie in a suit. Four. Yeah. What's he look like? He looks like he's working for the Chippendales. He's just going to tear his pants right off. I, I bet you, I bet you, Freddie Lundberg only owns tearaway pants for his suits. I bet you he does. <laughs> so he probably wanted to go against that beefcake and panther abs tattoo slash tattoo sleeve grain. He wanted to go substitute geography teacher. He wanted to have his players be the talking point. Tessa the Durbervilles, one of my favourite Thomas Hardy books, yeah. there's a moment where she shaves off her eyebrows to make herself less beautiful. Mm. Is I that think, what you did? <laughs> my half brows. <laughs> yeah. I, I shaved. I, I'm trying to grow mine out desperately to become more beautiful. But Freddie, I think, is a man who wants to be known for his mind, not his body. He could own the sort of the style maven of the Premier League. I think that'd be a good, who good thing for him. Do you think Arsenal should appoint long term, Dave? I, I know we both agree Gunnar would be awesome on the sideline, cute in the locker room, a beast. I mean, Papa Smurf, really. Nuno. I think that's the. Every way the Wolves play football, that combination of style and steel, I think is like the Arsenal way. I'm starting to think I know what Arsenal are doing, though. The Cronkies, I know you listen to this podcast. I think they are going to write off an entire calendar year and then appoint Greg 3G Burhalter. <laughs> <laughs> it's the American way. We'll see. Be amazing. We'll see. Bruce Arena's available. Okay, your weekend looks like this. Roger, it kicks off at 7.30am Eastern Time with the most important game in the world in this pod studio, El Blazerico. Why are we not Chelsea. commentating on that game? <laughs> Genuinely, why are we not? Apparently NBC is still w- working on it. There was, talk, there was talk about us doing a, what do you call it? Yeah. An old... An old commentary. An old commentary channel for yeah. El Blaze Erico where the yeah. two of us... We should just do it. Can't we just do it anyway? The problem why we couldn't do it this time, NBC really wanted this too, but I refused to do it clothed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> couldn't we just, like, Instagram live it? I mean, we could do. We could just do it. Clothed. <laughs> it's up to you, Rog. I'll have my clothes on. It's my perennial sunning time, 7.30am. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love the world to see me be have my weekend turn to ashes in my mouth at <laughs> 7.30 in the morning. Naked. Come on. I, I, there's nothing... The, the return leg, we will yeah. do it. The, let me let me get Everton stable. And by Everton being stable, I mean, let's get me stable. Okay, okay. That game is followed at 10am by the Jordan Ibe derby, Bournemouth versus league leaders, Liverpool. It's funny because Jürgen Klopp tried to play Jordan Ibe against Everton in the uh, in the derby. And at 12.30pm, oh, it's the cool. Manchester derby, Raz versus Rash Beans. Let's have a prophetic shot of Jägermeister, see what the future holds. Oh, I need this Jägermeister more than ever. Let yeah. me do it. Here I'm going in. Oh, that was like my dad drinking coffee. <laughs> oh, I love the Jägermeister, mm. but I will say the taste of darkness. It also tells me mm, Christian Pulisic is going to have the game of his young Premier League career. He's going to boss the match against my beleaguered Everton. And I'm going to experience joy and wonder as an American who loves American winning. Yeah! And agony and self-loathing, as you know, an Everton fan. 3-1 Chelsea. Everton. I can't even think what they were. Everton, there's no, there's no analogy I can make, is it? Everton, they're not worse than anything. They're just Everton. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they're just Everton. <laughs> we reached that, that is point. Like, that's like the human condition, yep. Rod. You've reached the human condition. My Jägermeister tastes of melancholy and the infinite Sanders. I'm not talking about the Smashing Pumpkins album. I'm talking about you, Roger. Chelsea 4, Everton 1. It's not me. It's not Billy Corgan. It is just the Jägermeister. Christensen's going to score. Also, we need some Strafenders. God. It's the one thing we're missing. Okay, there are many ways to connect to us, including and now extinct Amazon Emporium, which has transformed into the many ways of all my days when we buy something big or small from the Walmart. We get a tiny percentage that allows us to produce additional, albeit suboptimal content. What are you putting in the Walmart this week, Roger? A book. 
Texas Flood, the inside story of Stevie Ray Vaughan by Alan Paul and Andy L. Dort. Stevie Ray Vaughan, oh, what a gent. We, when I grew up in Liverpool, his sound, that mix of blues and rock and roll and swagger all fused together and served up so very loud, it was mesmerising. And when we were in Austin, Texas, his adopted hometown last month, J-Dubs and I paid our respect by going down to the statue of Stevie Ray on the waterfront. In the wake of it, Alan Paul sent me his biography of the Texas guitar icon, and I, I found it fascinating. It's an oral history grounded in hundreds of interviews with Vaughan's friends, family, bandmates, and the tale. It's a great American one, a rise from working-class roots to world superstardom, battling and overcoming drug and alcohol addiction, to live fast and then die tragically, a young death in a helicopter crash age just 35. It's been 29 years since Vaughan's passing. And this telling of his geek-to-guitar-god transformation, his obsession with his instrument, his technique, and his lore, it was a wonder to read. If you like music, this is a must-read exploration of the blues and the great late Stevie Ray's place within it. Courage. Uh, Rog, I'm really into cleaning recently. It's my new thing. Because I've run out of DIY projects. I've got nothing to do in any of my homes temporarily. Nothing's broken. Nothing needs fixing. I've got no new shelves to put up. Soundproof so the pod studio. So I've got into cleaning. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's what I should work on. Put some shelves up and soundproof it. Uh, I've really, really got into cleaning. And I've got to throw a shout out once again. This is not a sponsor. But the products of Mrs. Myers. These are just... I mean, look, don't get me started. I love my Clorox. I love my Swiffer wets. I love a bit of Swiffering. But the misses the products made by Mrs. Myers, and don't even start me on the holiday sense. Is that like Amazon buying. television? But Mrs. Myers, no, that's Marie Miss, uh, Kondo. M- no, Mrs. Netflix. No, I meant no, Mrs. Mrs. Meisel. Mrs. Meisel. Well, is Mrs. Way, Myers related I'll tell you, to Mrs. Meisel? I tell you, for the Jewish market, I tell you, a Mrs. Meisel cleaning product. You might be onto something. You should contact the producers. But the cleaning products of Mrs. Myers, excellent, excellent. Not maybe entirely biodegradable, but somewhat biodegradable products. I just buy many, buy often. Who is who is Mrs. Myers? No idea. We need to get her on the pod. <laughs> Max Myers from Palace's his mum. Yeah. Could be. There, there is something German about these products. It is, it is entirely possible. Could be possible. Urban Meyer's daughter. More yeah. probably, David. Okay, you can follow us on Twitter, at Men and Blazers, at Embassy Davis, at Rog Bennett, on Instagram, at Men and Blazers, at Embassy Davis, uh, Embassy underscore Davis, at Facebook, Men and Blazers. You can always send your ravens to the crap part of summer. Go easy on you me. You can always the weekend, you email bastard. us at meninblazers.com. It was a terrible nil-nil draw last year, Rog. We were there. Oh, bet your arm off for a terrible nil-nil draw. War pig! Who wants to sex my tombo? I like snaps. Balls win, balls win. Take that, Gloria. Uh, actually, balls lose. Oh, to tweet. I got some very nice new tweet. Thank you, Freeman Sports Club, this week. Abrigado, rock on, mate. Kung Fu Fight in America. Go easy. Just be a tender lover. Just be do a lot of work for charity this weekend. Let's hope Gilfie touches the ball. <sighs> Bite your arm off for Gilfie touching the ball. <laughs> what be a handball? Perennium sunning. <laughs>